yeah. I don't mind the idea of polarizing people. Like I, we want, you know, we just don't want to be. Um, like I don't want to be. Like I think reactions are good. Extremity of reaction is good. Also, <laughs> it's like, like when you get that sort of mediocre, middle of the road blandness. That's that's boring. Which I just don't think happens all that much these days. If that makes sense. Like I don't think anything really gets on anyone's radar, and people unless people are like raving yeah. about it or hate yeah. it. Like we're quite, yeah, yeah. Quite extreme our relax reactions right now. Like yeah, no one's ever going true. for just like good enough anymore. They want they want to be the best at whatever they're doing, yeah. and people don't have just a mm, I guess it's fine reaction. They yeah, either loving no. it or they're completely tearing those people down. Like it's you know fine's um, not good enough anymore. No, fine is boring. I don't like fine. I've had an issue with fine for a long time. Um, I keep I keep thinking of that. Um, you know, in that Mad Max. Oh, whichever one it is, the most recent one where Fury it's got, Road. is it Tom Tom Hardy? And yeah. there's that, the, the oh God, I can't even, I don't even know their names, but there is the guy with the kind of gas mask or whatever mm-hmm. and he just yeah. shouts so much. He uses the term mediocre a couple of times and it's like. Oh, yeah, and he's like yelling, like mediocre. Yeah, yeah, like, like you're mediocre. And that really kind of hit a nerve in me. <laughs> it was like. I'm watching that film and I'm like, I know, I know how that guy feels. And it's like, that's the worst kind mm. of insult. Um, it, 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 yeah, it, to me, it was really interesting. It was really mm. interesting that that kind of the filmmaker or the writer sure or whoever that. kind of was wanting to tap into that emotion and that like people don't want to be mediocre. And in that world, even. You know, to be mediocre was to be a failure or to be substandard, and so because there was, and that's right, it was Chrome Boy. Remember Chrome mm-hmm. Boy? Yeah, he yeah. Was the one that was chroming all the time. So he then didn't he do some sort of suicidal maneuver or to prove his lack of mediocrity? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was cool. Yeah, I want to actually watch that again. We watched it not long ago. It's it's a good watch. Watch it. Is. It holds up. It's it's quite thrilling. Um, yeah, and it's quite interesting that even in like the apocalyptic wasteland, mediocrity is still something that is yes. so close to home. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah I think you often see being mediocre as being like quite um something that's come out of maybe our capitalist structure of success and ambition and then the flip side of that is mediocrity and and not being successful or whatever um so interesting that that's yeah that they chose to kind of still carry that through and that mediocrity could be something that hits quite home, quite close to home in, in a human way, not just in a societal structural way, yeah. if you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. An emotional response. Yeah, like he took it personally, mm. Chrome mm. Boy, and he could not. It was, it was essentially, the worst thing. It was the worst thing. Like he's wanting to stand out. He's wanting to show his kind of mm-hmm. value to the to the group. Um, yeah, but it's like I, it's mm-hmm. okay. <laughs> um, I, I think about it probably more frequently than you might imagine that particular scene in that movie. Yeah. Okay, interesting. few points. Firstly, I think it's the reason why it can be so emotional because it's essentially saying you're not good enough. Yes. Like you're not good. And that I think is quite an emotional thing for people and something that people often feel and I think often feel, say, in relation to like other peers, but also say in terms of parents and that yeah. kind of expectation and meaning that or not. And then secondly, I wonder if like 
have you felt mediocre in your life? Because I don't see you like that at all. No, no, but yeah, maybe now in my in my kind of writing career, it's something. I feel like maybe I'm at a bit of a crossroads. I don't think mm. my first two books were mediocre at all, mm-hmm. but I feel like there's maybe some sort of unspoken or undefined pressure and it's not coming from Mm. me but it's sort of not really defined where it's coming from but there is this feeling that mediocrity is rewarded Mm. in this this country and because that sort of middle of the road Mm. average easily accessible, easily consumed entertainment type of writing or literature or novels, mm. if, if that's that's what I'm talking about, is more easily sellable, more easily marketable than something difficult. People don't want to read difficult novels or not – the masses don't want to read difficult novels. The masses have probably never wanted to read difficult novels, but I think it's just even – every year it's harder and harder, it seems, to – um, see a place for that in this mm-hmm. world. So mm-hmm. I'm feeling like in some ways I'm being shepherded by some unseen forces towards something that's easily consumable and I don't want to do that. I'd, I'd rather kind of, yeah, self-destruct like Chrome Boy mm-hmm. rather than try to shoehorn my work into something that works for the commercial aspects of publishing. I think that's the thing, like, that's kind of been, and like, you know, writing or art or whatever has always had a commercial aspect to it. But I think now more than ever, you're having to choose, okay, what kind of success am I after? If it's commercial success, you're going to have to do things very differently than if it's, say, literary or not even literary because I think a lot of the prizes and a lot of the literary kind of competitions and stuff that are held as being the deciders on what is literary aren't actually that literary anymore. Like they're not. They are still, they're kind of getting affected by that. Yep. You know what people want to read. What's a bestseller? What's good and looks good in the papers? You know what's on the top ten lists of books per year, or whatever it is. And so I think then it has to become a choice of like, okay, cool. So what is success to me? And I think that's really hard when you're producing something because anytime you produce something, you want it to be consumed by other people. That's how you get a measure of whether it's good or bad. But it might have to just become something that like you as an individual decide, hi, I'm going to write this book in the way that I'm going to write it. And that is success to me. You know, that has to be the starting point. It has to be the starting point. It has to be, it also has to be the end point, I believe of the creative process. And then beyond that, you have no control over and, and nor, nor should you, I, I think as the creator, like I, but I think the issue is, like when you're in, say, a relationship, say, with a publisher or something like that, mm. they, like they will be wanting a sellable product, right? Otherwise they won't publish it. And people see not being published as not being successful. Yeah. And so by doing that, you're already starting to kind of essentially be influenced by what the publisher wants. Mm. 
so I think it's like either kind of giving up that concept of like I might write stuff and it might not get published. Does that mean it's not, you know, successful in what I want to be doing? Yeah. Or do you compromise on that and get it published and then it might, you know, be read by people and therefore be deemed successful? You know what I mean? And this this will be the eternal, yeah, it's the eternal question. It's the eternal thing I think that people grapple with in terms whether yeah whatever they're producing art if they want to sell it uh this is the eternal question and maybe it always has been I mean I think though there was more space previously for things for art's sake if that makes sense um I don't know but what about Van Gogh like he didn't sell anything and uh yeah, but I think, like, I think that is a good example. Yeah, he didn't sell anything. So it doesn't mean, like, the market was there or that people were willing to support him because they're like, oh, my God, I see an artistic genius here. Mm. Like, but he still continued and painted in his style and didn't yeah. deviate from that, didn't change that. And so I think now people, because of the economic like economic success is like almost this, like the greatest success we can achieve or think of that is given like the most kind of importance that it's almost like you want that economic success. And if you don't get that, then you're not considered successful. So how do you be, how do you be an artist that's true to yourself? If that's how we're measuring success is economic success. The only way to be successful then is to fall into the system. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There we go. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it can be it can be the case, and this is what publishers and agents argue, that you can do both. So you can do Change your thing. Bullshit. You can do your thing and if by chance it also ticks the boxes for mass consumption, then fantastic and some people do some people are sincerely doing their own thing and they do tick those boxes well sure but you've just kind of said like for majority of people they want that mediocrity they want something that's easy to read that's middle of the road so for it to be successful by logic it would then have to be something that's more middle of the road yeah i I don't know i don't know what there's no answer in it for me I don't th- – oh, look, yeah, I don't know. All I can do is just follow my heart. I mean, I think when it comes to art, you just have to follow your heart. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. And, not, and, and there might be compromises along the way, but for them not to be too much of a compromise because then when you're starting to feel squeamish about, you know, the concessions you might be making and you're thinking – yeah, this makes me feel kind of, uh, then that's a good measure of if, is it too much of a compromise? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I don't even know what we started talking about, but, yeah. <laughs> Mad Max, mediocrity. Mm-hmm. I don't know how we got on to that, but shall we read? Yeah, I guess. No, you want to keep chatting? <laughs> I don't know. I felt like that was a bit of a weird conversation. I don't know if it should go in, to be honest. I don't think it was particularly insightful. Oh, why? I don't know. It felt rambling and like. So Mm -hmm. much of our stuff's rambling. 
yeah, but like with good comments, you know. I don't know. It'll be interesting to listen back to it. Yeah. Huh? Why? What? What's making you? Why? Why are you saying that? I don't know. I just feel like it. I don't know. It'll be interesting to read back and see if it makes much sense because I I felt like I wasn't really sure what we were talking about. Right. I mean, often sort of yet yet we chat about things to try and work things out. Why why aren't you sure what we were talking about? I'm I'm pretty certain about what we were talking about, but I just don't think it's resolved in my head. Well, I knew, yeah, so maybe that's what it is. It's the, the fact that it's unresolved or, like, I knew what we were talking about. I was just like, yeah, I don't know what points were made or kind of what, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what? Well, I'm just thinking of your rant of episode eight about I can't even remember what it's about, but it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Yeah. I'm just telling you how I feel. I'm not saying that's any better or worse. That was probably shit too. Like I'm just saying like I don't know, maybe because in this conversation I was like I don't really know what I think or I don't know what I'm trying to say. So I don't know. But yeah. maybe maybe it's, this is one conversation where maybe I've got more to say than you because I've I'm I'm more of a practicing person, or I've had books published, and so maybe, you know, me talking about mediocrity and the market forces and the sort of pressures that exist. Maybe this is a moment where I talk and and you you're kind of like listening, and you don't necessarily have to have um fully formed mm. thoughts or decisions about it. Like if I can't have fully formed thoughts or decisions, and I'm in it in a very kind of real practical way, um, then, yeah, maybe it's going to be even less certain for you. And that's okay. Yeah. That's okay. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I we're know, not, we're not presenting in this podcast. We're not presenting. I mean, all the way along we've said, well, yeah, don't, don't come here for sort of accuracy. Don't come here for kind of answers necessarily. I mean – it's about asking the questions and, and maybe that's the sort of main thing in life. It's not about the answers. It's about the asking of the questions. Mm. Yeah. That's a bit of Nietzsche. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll put the quote in the show notes. <laughs> uh, are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. I'm fine. I don't know. It just was interesting. I think it's the first time that we've done, some, like, that we've talked in a way yeah, what where are you I'm feeling? like, yeah. sorry, I just need to work, um, where I've just been like, that doesn't feel, I don't know what it is. It's not that it doesn't feel tight because you're right, so much of what we do is so rambling and, like, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But maybe just, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It just felt odd to me. Maybe it's because I was talking a bit more and I'm not as articulate as you. Maybe. But that's why I think it'll be interesting to listen back. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. I'm a I'm a writer, not a speaker. Yeah. I'm a lover, not a fighter. <laughs> Actually, I'm probably a fighter, not a lover. 